Are we recording? Yeah, we are. Oh my god. Hi, honey. How are you? Hi. You have a haircut. You look so cute. I got all my hair. You're cut. such a handsome cutie pie. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here at Radio Free Brooklyn. I know Brooklyn. it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We are so excited with the guests that we interviewed. I mean, Heidi was un. Oh my goodness. It was a dream. I told her on when she first got here, I was like, you were on our dream list. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we manifested it. And I it know came we true. did. But how are you, Maggie? I'm how good. I'm feeling Tell really me. grateful. I, I woke up this morning. I was so glad that we were coming today because I've been like auditioning a lot and hustling a lot. And this is like such an escape. It's such a creative outlet that like I can just feel chill about. Yeah, I'm so totally. grateful for it. I'm so grateful too. I love recording these podcasts. I love bringing them to you. So I have to tell you, people have been messaging me actually that I that we don't actually know saying that they really enjoy the podcast. Oh, I get them too. Yeah, and that they're excited. Yeah, and like that's like it is great. It is great. How was Sundance? You just went to Sundance. So I just went to Sundance. It was unbelievable. I saw two unbelievable films. Uh, well, one was a. a documentary miniseries called Love Fool. Ooh, what was that? Um, Love Fraud, right? Love Fraud, I'm sorry. What was that about? So it was about this guy uh, who uh, who uses multiple names in order to date multiple women because he's obsessed with love. He just wants to be in love. So he'll date someone, marry them, con them, take all their money while dating other people and he'll do the same thing to multiple, multiple, what multiple women. Yeah. And he doesn't think he did anything wrong. He thinks he of was course. in the right and he's kind of a sociopath. But it was really fascinating because it really gave a glimpse into loneliness and just how lonely these people are because they're all trying to date in their 40s. They're all like out of divorce or marriages or never been married. And the second someone sweet tells them they're amazing and that they are their world and that they Mean everything to them obviously you're gonna like give everything you can i tell you what like relationships friends and family they're the most important thing in this world and of course we all know as all the recent news lately life is short um and it makes you really think about all the special people that you have in your life and how loved you are and how many people you love and yeah hug your people y'all i mean not that i'm commiserating with this man who's conning all these women like no, shame on him but like there is this like you know it's human nature to need love and to feel love and it's true. Oh, man. We'll have to... It was amazing. The other one I saw was called Vivos, and it was uh, Ai Weiwei, who does like art art film documentaries, and uh, it was pretty much about the 43 uh, kids that went missing in Mexico. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of people that go missing because the cartel and the the drug cartel and the police are like... And it's not talked about enough. No. And and the whole story is these kids were on a bus from uh, from a college out there that's all about um, political... They, they are like anti-government. Um, and they just want to make a difference. They all want to be teachers or whatever. And they were on a bus and the cops came and raided the buses, killed six kids. And the other 43 were never heard from or seen again. Wow. And this was in 2014. And these parents, it's the film was told through the uh, perspective of the parents and everything they're going through and the anguish of losing their kids and their families. And wow, it was yeah, intense and deep. it was filmed beautifully. It was, I mean, it was a piece of art. Um, and it was just these. Families. What a blessing to be able to go to Sundance. It was amazing. But did you feel the energy around in the city? Everybody's so excited. I did because honestly, Sundance, like everyone is film buffs. We went last year, or no, was two it years two ago. years ago? Yep. Yeah. We want to um, make it a thing. So yeah. hopefully it becomes a thing and we'll be in Sundance at one point um, and we'll be able to go like that. But it was an amazing experience. I definitely recommend people check out Utah. 
Um, it, I went skiing. I did everything. I saw my twin sister. She just had a baby, Markella, uh, who's really cute. Oh, and I got to she's such a, a sweet little angel. Uh, speaking she of is. Sundance, I think Heidi's one of her films made it into. She had applied for the Sundance Institute Lab. Amazing. Yeah, we applied for it as yeah, well. Yeah, they talk a lot about the Sundance Lab at Sundance. And yeah, I'm sure. Huge people get this. Well, lab. it's incredible opportunity. It's incredible, and the people that they really represent are people that are worked on. We, we didn't get a chance to talk with her about that. There were so many things we didn't get a chance to talk with her about. Um, but if you don't know Heidi, she's a Heidi, Heidi Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, Heidi Miami Marshall. Ooh. I love her middle name. Um, she is the, she's a former casting director of the mega hit musical Rent. Um, she's now a coach and a female filmmaker and director. She's actually a huge pioneer for women in film. She's fierce. I took her class um, in the city. So is my husband. I know you're looking into it mm -hmm. too, Sparrow. But like, it's one, she's just one of those people that inspires you so much and she's so kind and so getting her on this podcast was just so perfect because man is she a great guest she's amazing so we loved that loved everything about it and uh if you want to hear more actually after you hear this episode and you're craving more because we literally only got through half of our questions right. let us know because we actually might bring her back on for season six yeah let us know if we get more of a demand we will definitely bring her on for season six um and it's going to be amazing uh and <laughs> you know thank you guys for all your support it's been amazing do you amazing. guys know that we're joking about season six like, we're not joking about we always put out these random like oh he'll be on season 10 he'll be on season eight so we yeah and season, season six eight by the way is the lineup it's looking, it's looking is so like, good i mean we still have to reach out to everyone from season eight there's some pretty big names out there but we're hoping by season eight these people will be begging us to get on the show Anyway, so uh, one thing we always like to do at the start of every episode is just talk about some kindness in the world, and we like to do a little segment called Random, Random Facts, Facts of, of Kindness. kindness. So in lieu of everything that's going on, we just wanted to take a moment to still recognize Australia and everything that's going on there. Um, there are some stories out there from Australia about um, everything that's going on with the with the fires and everything and the people who are really stepping up All in order animals. to make a difference. The animals, it's crazy. Koalas are becoming more and more extinct because a lot of them have lost their homes and we've seen stories all over the internet. Yeah, about, you were sending me some Instagram stories. Yeah, Is that what crazy. you're going to talk about? Yeah, I was actually going to talk about um, from Good News Movement, which is one of my favorite places to find we shout them out a lot. Kindness. We love them. Uh, and this guy, Patrick Boyle, he's been out uh, in Malacuta searching for injured wildlife. So he saved multiple koalas so far. I don't even know what the number would be. I love to. seeing the photos of people just like risking their lives going out into the, that's what this photos of yeah. them were like. Yeah. And the other thing is I also saw another story recently. There are, um, you know, people, firefighters and people in the army who on their like time off are sitting there nursing koalas. I mean, it's just the people who are, who are just giving their time and their efforts. If you can donate anything, there's a lot of organizations out there uh, in which you can make some donations toward the Australian Wildlife Foundation, um, and you can help bring back, you know, help them with some of these, uh, some of these animals and, you know, help them recover. Because yeah, you can donate to the Red Cross official website, and that's easy to find. Um, and then there's also local Australian fighter fighting services that are accepting donations. And also, just don't stop talking about it. There's right. a lot. There's a lot in the news, but I think the the we don't really quite understand how detrimental this fire has been um but it almost i mean 
the one of the one of the smaller fires was bigger than New York City combined, right. like all of that. New York City. So just, you know, keep people in your thoughts and prayers and know that there are people fighting the good fight. Um, and yeah, we just we just wanted to take a moment to shout out Australia. If you can help, please do. Um, and thank you, Patrick, for everything you're doing and for everyone that's out there fighting the good fight. We love okay, it. Okay, and with that, should we with do that, it? Should we just do this? Let's just yeah. bring the people what they want. I hear them. They're outside. They're <laughs> screaming for Heidi Marshall. We're going to bring you a wonderful episode of The Cool Kids Table with Heidi Marshall here at Radio Free Brooklyn. Oh, and you know what would be great is a word from our sponsors. Hey, Maggie. Did you know that Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising campaign is underway? In May, RFB turns five years old, and we need to raise $25,000 so we can continue bringing you commercial-free, independent radio for another five years. Because we think raising money should be fun, each month we'll be bringing listeners fun challenges with some great prizes. The first is a trivia quiz to find out just how well you know RFB. Uh, the top five scorers are going to win a limited edition five-year anniversary RFBT. Uh, you can also dial 718-613-8201. That's 718-673-8201 to leave us a message letting us know why you love RFB or just wish us a happy birthday. Your message may be played on the air, so get on it. It's the cool kids' table. They were never the cool kids, so they just bought a table. Now it's the cool kids' table, yeah. We have a legend. Are we recording, Maggie? Yes, we're recording. Oh my God. We have a Are we here? This is us. happening. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so nervous. Am I nervous? I don't know if I'm nervous. But um, here we are. We are here with Heidi Marshall. Heidi Marshall. When we first started um, talking about doing the podcast, your name was always on the list. It was on my wish list. And yes. I finally got the nerve to ask. I was like, she's probably going to say no. She's so busy. And then she said yes. So. And it's funny because that keeps happening to us. We, yeah, keep, thinking, true, we keep thinking people will say no. And then they, they say yes. So we're like, oh my God, now we actually have to do it. Now that she's here. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm honored. And I can't believe it took you so long to ask me. Seriously. I know. Seriously, Maggie. I know, but you know what? I'm happy with the timing because yeah. now I feel like we're really comfortable with the podcast sure. so totally. it's in a good place and there's no worries and we have a format you we're, know? we're ready for you now <laughs> now we're ready for you let's go i took your class part one and two and so should you listeners out there um heidi teaches a class and we'll touch on that but i know that you love your actors prepared so i feel good that you're stepping into a prepared podcast yes, yeah i love that too. <laughs> shall we start shall we yes. start we always love to start from the very beginning mm -hmm. so um we're gonna start mm -hmm. with the beginning from you mm -hmm. uh you're heidi miami marshall i knew but, that was coming but, I love not, it. but not from miami not from miami and to this date my parents have not even been in miami yet what? wow interesting why did so, they what where yeah. did miami come from okay so they were hippies <laughs> okay we're, love it Miami? That that should explain everything. <laughs> yeah, but why Miami if they, they were stoned when they named you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <Okay>. Perhaps. <laughs> and a friend said, hey, Heidi Miami Marshall sounds good. Wow. Like, you know, I, I just watched Miami Vice. It actually does sound great. So it I'm was literally it. just like that. Interesting. That Interesting. And then my social security number, which I will not say, has a lot of ones in it. Okay. Oh. And so they thought the alliteration of the ones and the eyes 
I'm telling you, so there's meant hippies. something. Okay. <laughs> so it but was, it's also it was acid. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Um, but also, they love the Native American reference. Yeah. And like, I, you know. Oh my God, they can just, I meet your parents? Please? Yeah. Where are they? You want to know where they are yeah. right now? Yeah. They are on the Gulf of Mexico in an RV because they live in Wisconsin and they have now, they're fulfilling their retirement dream. Oh, perfect. They're in a camper and they just kind of go around for two or three months. Right in oh the winter God, time, yeah. and then they show up at my brother's house in California, okay. and they see their little god uh, grandson, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and then they travel back to Wisconsin when it's spring. Oh. I love that. That's a lot this of people's goal, time. and they're actually doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's a culture too. Yeah. This mm-hmm. camping culture, and I've done. I love to camp. I grew up camping. We always went camping, never RVing, but when. Um, my husband and I, we went camping in Joshua Tree like oh, about a year I've or so. Yeah, I've always wanted to do oh, that. so list, good. Just list. don't go in the summer. We okay, stupidly went camping in July. Too it's hot. the worst time. Okay. It's actually yeah. dangerous. It's that really? hot. But there were, there were a whole bunch of RVs, and they were like Europeans, young people, like millennials, out in these campers traveling around the U.S. Oh that God. way. Taking Instagram photos. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, but it just kind of reinvigorated. Yeah, this is such a culture, and it's not just the retirement community, right, right. you know? Oh, yeah, if and you follow beautiful. Joshua Tree hashtag on Instagram, the photos are incredible. Well, yes. Well, the other part of it, you Special. also think of, like, this culture of, like, tiny houses. Like, people are, like, yes. literally trying to, like, live as small as possible and take their entire home with them wherever they go. Oh, totally. So also a dream of mine is to have a tiny house that I can cart all over with my truck and just... Yeah. They move them? Now. I thought they just built them. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, like, they, you can sometimes they build them onto tractors so yeah. they can oh, like sit there goodness. and move their tiny homes. I just don't amazing? think I could live permanently. So small. But you live in New York house. City. So I know. You should have but pretty I good can, practice. You're right. You're right. You can walk around the streets and you have air yeah, everywhere. I've lived in a closet. I can do it again. <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> totally thought you lived in Brooklyn just from your vibe. No, and I'm like, queen. You're so cool. Oh, you're a queen? I married queen? a New Yorker. Okay. Uh, and okay. I got pulled into the New York scene. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Are you enjoying New York? Do you love it? Yeah, I've been here. Um, I've been here longer than I've been anywhere else in my life. So, so you're a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker. I mean, I've lost count. I guess what is? It? I think it was what 95 that I wow. moved here. Oh wow! wow. So, I won't tell you how old I was. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all good. I was born. <laughs> Just know I was born. If that makes you, you feel better. I was born. And I, I was. Know. I was. I was not in single digits. So we'll, we'll, I love we'll it. start there. Um, where were you born? What was Virginia? Okay, you were born in Virginia. Charlottesville. Yeah, exactly. Right. And what was that like? What was Charlottesville well, like? What do you Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I married a New Yorker and I took him back to where I lived and grew up and he was kind of shell shocked, I will tell you. Okay. So, um, I grew up in a hollow. Like what is that? A hollow is out in the mountains. I was like, Mahalo. You go, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. you go over the mountain and you go down into a hollow. Ooh. Oh, was it a nice breeze all the time? That's a weird question. I but. don't know <laughs> because the air would be trapped down there, oh, right? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. So Interesting. Yeah. So I didn't live in Charlottesville. I lived about 40 minutes out, maybe wow. 30, 40 minutes out and, you know, out in in the boonies, <laughs> yeah. way out there. In our hollow, um, it was me and my little brother and one other kid that was maybe a, a teenager. And everyone else uh, were pretty much already maybe 60 and up. Was oh it like goodness. a community of people? It was just... Uh, I, you don't say a village, you know, but it was... Yeah, I guess you could say a community of people. Okay. I mean, at some point it had been settled. 
Right. Many, and then families and generations would be wow, there. Wow, I'd be really interested to see a photo. Yeah, what's the population of said hollow? Hollow. Herd's hollow is the name of it. Herd's hollow. hollow. We'll look it up. Um, I would have no idea now, okay. but um, because all of those people have passed. And uh, so it's just a matter of who inherited and who stayed, took over yeah. and stayed. Kids, grandkids coming or just reselling. I don't even know. Is I that property still there? Pro- yeah. Wow. Yeah. And actually, I mean, it's very, very tiny. There were probably like 10 houses maybe. Oh, wow. You know? Um, and I lived in, so what I grew up in was an old one-room schoolhouse. Oh, my God. That's amazing. My boyfriend <laughs> actually just converted a one-room schoolhouse <gasps> in Michigan to oh, his home, and he like loves it. I would love to go there. Oh, you can, you're more I than welcome. It. Invited anytime. I'm coming. Yeah. yeah. What a small, like, it's a, what so a story weird. of and somebody then, who grew up in such a small <laughs> town. Yeah. Yeah. If it's even considered it's a town. It's not a town. town. Right. No, it's not a town. A community. Yeah. But there was a little general store, Ballard's General. Aww. Yeah, and one guy had, you can always you know, get good shit at the general store. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's crystal. Right. Yeah. I don't know who shopped in it. Maybe ten people. Everyone. But, yes. <laughs> but um, you know, it was like kind of a magical little place. And actually, the schoolhouse has been bought and is now a banjo factory what? by wow. this guy. And factory said loosely, it's right, right, like right. one guy making builds, factories. Yeah. I mean, making these banjos. And his banjos are world famous. Wow. Uh, I think it's called Sterling Banjo or Stelling Banjo. So. Um, <laughs> Wow. It's That's a really amazing. special place, but you're out in the middle of nowhere. And how you know? long were you there? Like, where did, did you go to school there? Yeah, I went to school from there. So I was there until about fourth grade, I uh-huh. think. And then we moved closer. So we moved out of the mountain. <laughs> out of the hollow. <laughs> but we were still in the country wow. in North Garden, Virginia, okay. and near Crozet. A lot of people know Crozet. And um, that was a also kind of rural area but i loved it because i had neighbors wow i had kids yeah, for the first that, time yeah, it was dirt roads you wow. know um but you know my dream you know what my dream was tell us up? tell us we love dreams my dream was living somewhere where i had sidewalks okay oh boy did i get that yeah, yeah. you sure did you got <laughs> really, a lot on i those wanted sidewalks, sidewalks to ride bikes on yeah. and like you know walk on and just i just wanted that life Wow. Some, some so people imagine picket fences. Heidi Miami Marshall was imagining sidewalks. That's but right. you know, it's so interesting <laughs> because right. Jasper also grew up in this tiny, tiny, tiny place. Yeah. Um, we've had Farm. a few other guests like that, too. I, I mean, I'm from like Placid, which is a little bigger, but I used to have our houses, a log cabin. I used to have lemonade stands when literally no one would show up. Yes. Like my mom would come out and, and buy. buy one. <laughs> yeah. She'd buy your entire stock. She'd give me like she's 50 bucks, which is way too much. Yeah. Like way too much. I'll just take one, sweetie. Here. Well, there might be something in that. You know, I know just growing up in the country, it. For me, it really loosened my imagination up mm-hmm. because I didn't have anybody else to play with. Mm. I was like building things with, you know, in trees, right. you know, right. in bushes and like, you know, so you don't have all of this outside stimulation that we have, right. all, you know, now in the city and kids today have iPads and all that crazy stuff. Right. So the imagination gets really stirred, oh, yeah. you know. That was and, kind of going to be my next question. Yeah. I was going to ask if you always had this like. Um, way of storytelling or like p- seeing pictures and images even when you were that young. Yeah, what was your creative outlet? Yeah, I mean, my creative outlet was, uh, well, I had a buddy. I had my little brother, so that helped. Mm-hmm. I had somebody to play with. Um, and we would literally play with 
G.I. Joe dolls nice. or figures and Barbie nice. and then Star Wars figures. And of course, I had my Princess Leia, you know, <laughs> and I I remember creating stories all the time. Wow. I had this kind of I don't know why I remember it, but I I very much remember a moment of playing with Barbie dolls and having like the Barbie dream house, like apartment building thing okay. yeah. and moving them around and having this like existential thought of. If I'm moving them around, who's moving us around? Wow. wow. It was like a God question. That is pretty deep. I know. And I remember that. And I don't know what I did with it. I just kind of kept playing with it. <laughs> and look where it led you, though. Yeah, but I guess but it's I a monumental know. thought. It is a monumental you remembered thought. It, yeah. thought. Totally. But I don't know. I think it's just like creating something out of whatever's in front of you. Right. Probably. Wow. That's so interesting. That's amazing. And visually, my brother uh, is a photographer. So I, love that. I had that. My mother is creative. I mean, she can make anything and master crafts lady, you know. And my dad is a builder. Oh, wow. Um, so, and he would build beautiful homes and, and renovate and all of that. He's very creative, too. So there was kind of a creative flow all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And my dad was a musician, too. Um, and my mother was a fashion kind of designer in her early years. And, you know, so it was just a creative. Did home. they have creative programs at your school? Um, no. Uh, but we did always, we always in elementary school had a school play. I remember school mm -hmm. plays. Okay. Were you um, in them? Yeah, I okay. think I was like, you know, the third tree from the right. Uh, you God, know what I mean? The, that's the, the best tree. tree. It's, that third one, that's the that's the winner right totally. there. So leafy. That's you know? right. But I did discover theater in middle school. Okay. And that was because we had an option of writing an essay or staging a scene. Oh. I don't know why the teacher even thought that that would be an option, wow. but so I staged a scene from Taming of the Shrew. Wow. <laughs> but Lofty. I don't think she understood. Yeah, you went right for Shakespeare. I huh? went right for Shakespeare. <laughs> I mean, maybe we were studying Shakespeare. I don't think so. Maybe, I don't know what was going on. But I do know that I figured out the golden rule, which was if I got two other people to play Kate and Bianca, I didn't have to memorize the lines. Nice. There you go. So a director. Life hack. Thank happened. you for that life hack. <laughs> That's so right. was it that exact production of Taming of the Shrew? It was not a production. <laughs> that, that, that inspired you to want to go to college for directing? No, I just, I think that was theater. You know, my grandparents were uh, professional musicians, so they were in orchestras. Me too. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And so violin and mm -hmm. viola. And so I would see them growing up at concerts and then sometimes the opera. Oh, nice. So I kind of, I think I kept getting exposed to it. Okay. I knew it existed out there. And then when I got into high school, I was playing soccer because everybody else did. And I hated it. And I was terrible at it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of figured out that there was this theater thing after school. And if I could do that, I didn't have to play soccer. Oh. Right. Yeah. So I started hanging out with the theater crowd that way. And that's what just got me excited about it. And then I started directing in high school. Awesome. Okay. What was your first yeah. directing project? Other than your titular scene from Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> oh, it gets even better. I did a, a 10 minute play or, or, or no, a one act. It was a one act called Cage Birds. Oh, <laughs> tell me, why does the cage birds sing? <laughs> yeah, literally, I think that based line was the in there. Probably? No, it was basically a version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, oh. but all women. 
Oh, yes. of course. Yes, women. <laughs> Already yeah. pushing the boundaries. Totally. <laughs> I love that. And, it, and it's become such a big part of your work. Oh, yeah. Look at definitely. that. That's really full circle. Isn't it funny how yeah. that keeps, I don't know, the seeds are planted mm-hmm. and you just kind of keep going, I guess. I love that. I love that too. <laughs> So what brought you from your high school to Carnegie Mellon? You went to Carnegie Mellon University. Yeah. Um, you were in the directing program there. Yep. Um, yeah. So you auditioned. Like, what was that process like for you and, and leaving this small high school to try and go to this Such big a school? Yeah. School. Yeah. Well, you know, I applied there because it was the only program at the time that was one that you could enter as a freshman and be in a directing program. Wow. Oh, okay. So now there's lots of them. Right. There definitely were not for undergraduate. Gotcha. So that is why I applied to it because I knew that I, if I was going to do theater, it was going to be directing. Cool. I'd already figured that part out, but I was also interested in art history. I was also interested in film, but mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it and never been exposed to it yet. Okay. So I applied to a lot of schools. I was going to go to Emerson, actually. Oh, nice. oh really? Yeah. And I was going to go there because I could do film and theater. Cool. And I was really excited about it. And I got waitlisted at Carnegie Mellon. How well, dare. If they knew. I if know. they knew now. But, you know, I got in last minute. I think probably June or July, something like that. And my dad just said, let's try to figure it out. Wow. And, you know, did the whole financial aid, like, hustle. And they came up with a plan for us, wow. you know, because, you know, we, we didn't have a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it was definitely so, a better school well, at that point. I think it was, I think in my mind, it definitely had some prestige. And that was something that felt like maybe an opportunity I should take right. yeah, yeah. as I was exiting the hollow of Virginia. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but to this day, you know, I could go on and on about my experience at Carnegie, which was a love-hate, right. you know. Um, but to this day, you know, you always look back on every choice and you always wonder, did I do the right one or right. not? And I always think, gosh, Emerson would have been fun. Right. Yeah. I would have had fun and I would have gotten to filmmaking quicker. Right. You know, things like that. So part of me always wonders, did I make the wrong choice, the right choice? But I made that choice and I right. ended up at Carnegie. And, you know, some of my best friends are from school, of course. And that was obviously a life changing experience, too. Were there any um, professors or people who led programs that were like especially kind to you or kind of mm. like you remember like giving you a chance when when you didn't know what to do or what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's one in particular that was was just really uh special that's the best word um so you know the program is very competitive mm-hmm. and very still is <laughs> still is right and that doesn't make any sense in the arts mm-hmm. it just doesn't because <laughs> there's so many different things that define whether you're the right artist yeah, for the job or always yes. the weirdest thing to me when programs cut people or they just yes. they're so ruthless with their criticism it's like how do you know what's yes. gonna, who's gonna make it and who's right, in high school like these kids yes. are just coming out of high school yeah, you're 18 yeah. 19 20 21 in those like pivotal life-changing mm-hmm. you are growing up moments you know but I so you know I, I bring that up because through that first year of college it was incredible 
incredibly hard. You know, it was really stressful, and um, and I didn't love every class that I was being forced to take. You right. know, because right. you're in a conservatory, right. yeah. and that's what they are. They're designed to give you exposure across the board. So I'm like in the thick of it, and really questioning: Do I go back or not? Mm-hmm. And because of the prestige, as you said, Maggie, you know, I felt like I couldn't drop out. Right. I couldn't change my plan. And I ended up going back for my sophomore year, and there was a new teacher that year yes. who was there for the actors okay. to teach them acting classes on checkoff. But they figured, well, we'll just put him with some directors too. Thank God. Interesting. So, so you were directing name, Chekhov? So his name is Maladen okay. Kislov, and he uh, was from Bulgaria, oh. had a heavy accent, mm. and he brought joy to so many people because of his passion for Chekhov. Wow. Oh. And he also taught us all that Chekhov is funny. I just got chills. Yeah. Yeah, me too, actually. I just did too. <laughs> so he taught us that Chekhov is so freaking funny. And you know how he taught the directors? He would have us watch Fellini films. Oh, interesting. Oh, and cool. so we'd watch these Fellini films that are also very similar to Chekhov yeah, yeah. in the mm-hmm. sense of like melodrama, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and push that idea as far as you can. And Fellini is just over the top, right. you know. Um, and Mladen just, he inspired all of us to find the humanity and everything we were working on I and love to that. dig deeper. And he would often say, you know, defend your characters, but he would say it passionately. Uh, Defend your characters, you know, (laughs) with a heavy accent, you know. And um, he just became a real, I kind of made him a personal mentor through the program. And even if I didn't have class with him, I would just kind of hunt him down and and say, I'm stuck with this or, you know, and, and that proved to be a pattern for me for my whole life is I just kind of make people be my mentor. Yeah. Right. Um, and Mladen has since passed. Oh. And uh, he, when he passed, there was someone writing about him and doing some research and interviewing. And then I discovered that he influenced a lot of people. Yeah. Sure. Isn't that you great? Know, a lot of artists, you know, and even all of my classmates, we all talk about him. That's so great. So it's, yeah, there are significant people in our lives. It also there. really makes me wonder what production of Chekhov he saw that he was like, aha. Wow. Like, I've got question. it. You know, because yeah. if he's seeing Fellini films and all this stuff, some people didn't see that side of Chekhov. Sometimes most not people, even check off, right? So the fact that he found that he must have seen some brilliant production of, of Three Sisters and or whatever he saw, you and he was what? like, "I see, I see deeper." I think that's possible. I also think it's his personality. Okay, you know, and his personality gravitates to life sucks. How are we going to make the most of it right. and enjoy it and just oh. all great in passionate? You know. So is there a book about him? No, oh, okay. but there was an article or research. I don't know whatever happened to it, actually, okay. but I learned about it because other people were being interviewed. Like, right. Oh. <laughs> I knew that you had to have had some types of amazing teachers in your life because mm-hmm. you are such an amazing teacher. Mm-hmm. And so um, hmm. we actually this is a theme we talk about a lot on here is like the how important teachers are and how much they shape us. And, um, you know, for for everyone has a different experience, but I'll, you'll never forget the people that saw something in you and mm-hmm. like pushed you to work harder and be your best person and everything like that. And I, I always wondered that about you. Yeah, definitely. And even in high school, the head of the theater program, he was the one that he would say, why don't you assist me? 
Hmm. And then he would give me, he'd say, take my notes and give them to the actors. And I started oh. giving them notes. Wow. And he'd say, you know, because he was also the chemistry teacher. <laughs> so he'd also <laughs> say, right, of course. And he'd say, well, you know what? I got to go back to the classroom. Can you just watch them and give them notes? Wow. And I, That's I a lot think, of responsibility. Well, I think back and I'm like, he was like, yeah, he actually had other things to do. But I think he was subversively also like, why don't you do it? Yeah, you know? totally. And then he was the one that actually said, why don't you do it? a one act play you know and then he it was a major deal in our high school because no student had ever directed before so you know it was there's a lot of people like that I definitely agree like along the way they see something and they Mm -hmm. nudge you Mm -hmm. some way But, um, yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of Vladen because... So am I, because that was such a great, yeah, lovely story. And when he would come into the classroom, he he wasn't... He didn't have, like, an agenda in play, you know? He knew that he was teaching us Chekhov, but right. it was more... Or whatever he was teaching us at whatever right. moment. But it was more like you pull out the scene, you just start working. Yeah. Right, yeah. You know? And I think I probably function that way in my classes you know I always come in with I know what I'm going to work on maybe here's an exercise we're going to do but I don't know how it's going to go right Right, yeah (laughs) and your classes are long they're like four hours which is nice when you're spending the money on them because you're like okay I'm getting my money's worth what are we doing in four hours and then usually they run over because like you're we just never want to (laughs) stop I love that I can't wait to take your class it's going to be so great I can't wait even this morning Michael was like I cannot wait to do part two yeah so we'll be there too um, what happened what when happened? you left Carnegie Mellon? <laughs> Talk about graduating college, yeah, directing, okay. and then what the next so, chapter was. Yes. Well, because there's like some little stepping stones, mm-hmm. you know, Tell of us, course I there always that. are. So I was leaving college and kind of drama, drama. Where do you go? What do you do next? Right. And at that point, I had also discovered that I also loved film. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I had taken a little filmmaking class you know, at the Pittsburgh Filmmakers, um, because my brother was then there as a photographer. And so I thought, let me go hang out with him. And I um, loved film. And the drama was, do I pursue theater or film? And do I keep going in one way or the other? And so my senior year, the spring was really filled with a lot of questioning and confusion. And so I went to the Humana Play Festival that spring with my friend and spent a weekend watching all of these new plays being produced and was so bowled over and inspired by new work, which I had discovered I loved working with writers. And I ended up having a very significant moment where I was walking down a hallway at the Actors Theater of Louisville, and which is where the Humana Play Festival is, yeah. and the artistic director, John Jory, was coming down the hallway. No one else was around. And all of a sudden, shy Heidi kind of dropped for a second, and I suddenly had this plan that I, I tell you, I... Never, I don't remember thinking and concocting this plan, <laughs> but it suddenly like and I seized it. That's it. The calling it just came out, and I said, "Hey, hi!" And I introduced myself, and I said, "I just love this festival. It's so amazing." And I'm about to graduate, and I see that you have an acting apprentice program, but you don't have a directing apprentice. Would you be interested in having one? What? Yes. Oh my God. And he said, sure, give me a call and we'll talk about it. I called him and we talked about it. He said, if you want to come for the season, I'll mentor you. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Another mentor. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You just kind of like make the mentors, right? And so I went and I created this directing internship, which is there now, still a couple, you know, decades later now. It's still running. That's crazy. So I was there assisting, you know, all these great directors like Ann Bogart, Tina Landau, Lisa Pearson. All these ladies came through and they became 
became little mentors momentarily. Yeah, and, you know, yes, you just kind of, I always say, I tell this story actually in my class, in my part one class, because my takeaway was just ask. Right. right? You never That's know us too. That's what you're going to get, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I did Louisville. I loved it. It was great. And I also kind of burn out a little bit. I'm like, regional theater, I don't know if I can do a life in this. And I right. saw all these other directors doing that. And um, I then got accepted into the Drama League. They had a directing nice. fellowship, and I went and did that in Ithaca, New York, for that summer. Beautiful area. Beautiful area to go and create, and I um, made the most out of that fellowship and brought my writer friends to come and develop plays. Yes. And I kind of broke the rules on that, uh, which was fun. And then I finally moved to New York, and I always say I moved here because my friends were here. That right. was literally yeah. kind of what it came down to. And were you like torn about where to go or were you like, was it New York or somewhere else or stay or go back home? New York theater, film, Mm -hmm. LA, you know, and I was really torn between the coast, but really since my friends were here, it was just an easier jump. Okay. And I really didn't know what I was going to do, you know, and I was, it sounds weird to say, but what was that? Like 22 ish, something like that. Um, I was pretty burnt out on theater, huh. actually. Right. It had been five intensive years of theater, 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 theater. Wow. So I was I was kind of fried, and I also was really confused about, like, it was existential. I didn't know if I could be a director, what kind of director I'd be, what my artistic voice was. You was know? that just being thrown into, like, the New York life? That you were like, I'm, yeah, I'm a small fish, like I'm a small fish now? No, no, I had all that before I got to New York. Oh, wow. That's okay. what I'm saying. Wow. So I was already, like... In a, you know. Damn. Yeah. And I actually went and stayed with my parents who were in Pennsylvania. And I was temping at like a a waste facility that had an explosion while I was there. And then went under investigation. And I was like this receptionist there. This was not on Wikipedia. It was not there. And I I found myself like totally distracted. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and I was caught up in like what just a waste. avoiding <laughs> <Ba-boom>. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really avoiding making a decision and trying to figure it out yeah. so when I came to New York I, I mean I'm telling you I really had no plan Wow. I just wanted to be around my friends and <laughs> away from but you know that's important <laughs> it's scary to go somewhere and know no one it's yeah, right. totally. it's true and New York City my god yes. you know? and I used to dream about New York City when I was in Virginia I would literally daydream out my my window looking at trees and imagine the brownstones in Brooklyn. Oh, like, and I don't know. I just had all of from the movies, maybe. Right. I don't know. I just had all these ideas it's in my the head. City of dreams, it is. So, when I did get here, then that's when I was hustling, you know, it was like temp jobs everywhere and emotional overwhelm. And luckily, I had my friends that I was even staying with, you know, until I found housing and. Gosh, friends go a long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then I got a call from a friend who was an acting apprentice in Louisville, Rebecca Feldman, who later oh. created Spelling Bee. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And um, which is one of my all-time faves. There just saying. Go. Yeah. I've saw it too many times. She'll be on the podcast season eight. <laughs> yep, season eight is yes. a big year for us. She'll Ooh, be on. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she calls and says, and she, I remind her every once in a while that she was the one that did this, but she called and said, I know about 
got a job through a friend of a friend, kind of a family friend, kind of weird little connection yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. And she wouldn't do it. She didn't want to do it. She's an actor. She had other things she was doing. You know, she didn't know she was about to go create Spelling right, Bee. But, right, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but she passed it to me and I went and I interviewed and it was a casting office. Nice. And not just not just any, any casting, casting office, thing. ladies and gentlemen. No, but don't say which one. Uh, oh. <laughs> because you know what? At that time, it was not anything oh, significant. Right. That's true. Right. It was just me assisting these three guys in a little tiny casting office and hustling like they're just taking any projects they can. Commercials. How new how new was that company at that point? Uh Oh, uh, well, you know, I wouldn't know because I don't know when it officially became a company. Got it. You know, interesting. And um, the guys running the casting office were really casting because they were trying to support their habit, which was running a little off-Broadway theater company. Oh right? And so they realized we know lots of actors and maybe we can pick up some casting gigs. Wow. Oh, my God. So it was out of the admin office of um, Manhattan Class Company, MCC. And this was, of course, Bernie Telsey and Will Kentler and David Vicari. Yep. Those wow. three and myself. And in this little tiny space about, you know, the size of this small room that we're in right. now. Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, here exactly. we are. Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, so MCC, that was the theater M- they were running? Uh-huh. Because I, I love that. I mean, I've seen so much there. I used to have a subscription. It's such a great oh, theater. Great. Um, yeah. I love yeah, supporting that such place. such great new work. They really do. And you know who else does great work? New York Theater Workshop. Uh, of course. Um, love it. Which is also one of my favorites. I also subscribed to them for yes. two years, which I loved. Yep. Um, how did that... I know the link you're making. Yeah. How did that all How did that all come to be? Like, did they give you a project or... No. So I'll tell you the story. You know, so when I started casting with them, I was assisting. I didn't know anything about casting. It was was all kind of fly by night for me as an assistant to these guys and about a month after I started working there this little tiny project that we had been casting suddenly had this overnight tragedy which became this overnight mega hit sensation which was this little tiny musical called Rent. Yes we're talking Rent ladies and gentlemen. And that was at New York Theater Workshop as you mentioned or allude to and so Rent happened about a month after I was there that's when Jonathan Larson passes away and previews happen, New York Times rave review and rent launched and anybody that was working on it, their lives changed. Yeah. Right. And I that mean, included huge. mine. Yes. I wasn't expecting it. Of course, Telsey's wasn't. And Telsey's became Telsey suddenly, right. you know, hot little office. They know how to find cool, sexy rock and roll right. musicians, mm-hmm. you know. Again, I just got chills. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you guys auditioned like. 40,000 people, didn't you, or something? Well, not for that company. Right, right. So for that company, that was a hunt. That was, you know, I need to document someday how every person was found because the stories are incredible and very random. And I always tell actors when I share this, you know, that most of those people didn't actually have agents and managers. Right. Right. And so it's not just about that, you know. Can you tell us one Um, of your favorites? Like one of your favorite... One of my favorite hunts um, that I did not do was uh, David Vicari, and he uh, found Adam Pascal. And the way he found Adam was because we knew at the time um, that there was guitar playing Mm -hmm. and that some high notes needed to be hit, basically. Mm -hmm. And 
David just started calling all of the guitar teachers in the Village Voice newspaper oh, print. Oh, my God. And just going through and saying, do you have anybody who plays guitar and sings to my notes or something to that effect? And he gets Adam's name and Adam comes in and sings and plays. And do you remember what he sang? Oh, no, because I wasn't oh, there. Oh, this, was bef- yeah. this was after you. Yeah. Adam, I think, yeah, definitely those you. auditions before you. were before yeah. me. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what he's saying. We can ask Adam. I'll have to find He'll out. He'll be on season eight. Don't okay, worry. Great. So, so Good. He hasn't, he hasn't He'd done never any done musicals theater. or anything. No. So, you know, part of the journey with Adam was convincing him to do a musical because, you know, wow. I always think about it because what he wanted to do more than anything was like heavy metal rock star. Like That's front a band. Wanted, front a band. He was fronting a band. I did an event with him where his band fronted, you know, and uh, he that was his dream. And this was a diversion. Wow. You know, so it's, it's so funny because it reminds me so much of what I think Effie said on the podcast was that you have to be open to yes. whatever's going to happen yeah. in right. your life because sometimes we get focused on like, oh, this is what I want to do. It has to be this. But when you're too hyper focused on something, sometimes it doesn't allow other wonderful things to yeah, come into Yeah, things your slip life. away and sometimes. I think about her saying that a lot just because like, you know, everyone has these ideas of what their life is going to be or what their dreams are. But when you open up your mind and, and realize that there are other things you can do, too, I think it's a really beautiful thing. And like, I mean, his story specifically, he became a huge star. Huge. Yeah. Still and is. He's still doing musicals. Yeah. yeah, I know. Well, that's the funny thing. Like, he keeps he never doing stops. musicals. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy. And we got to hear his story sometime. I'd love to hear well, we'll, all we'll of hear his stuff. We'll get him. Yes, he's eight. So, so just, to, just to be clear, so um, Rent happens at New York Theater Workshop. Yeah. That's like the start of it. Yeah. As that was happening, it was about to open on Broadway, and that's when you came on so, to play? Or this no. was at New York Theater Workshop? So, so I was already there in December at Tulsi's. Okay. I was just starting. They needed more help, basically. And rent happens January, February, mm-hmm. April, Broadway. And then it just got crazy because the producers said, hey, we're making a lot of money. We think we're going to make more money. And they broke protocol and put out a first national tour rehearsal starting in August. Oh, oh wow. my God. So that meant we had to find a whole new company, uh-huh. replicate it. Yes. Quickly. Right. right. Especially since all find, these people you found out of nowhere. Right. And now go find another Adina Menzel, right. another Tay Diggs, right. Jesse Martin, Adam, right. you know, Anthony Rapp, Wilson Heredia. Oh, Freddie my God. Walker. The list goes on. Go the magic. Find all of them again immediately. And, and was this Tulsi's first Broadway yeah. show? Oh, as yeah. Well? Okay. Totally. Wow. Absolutely. That's so so crazy. the way amazing. to that was we, um, you know, you can't find that talent through agents and managers, as I alluded to. So we did an open call. We did that in June that year. I remember showing up early in the morning and being surprised that the line curved around the, the corner. Wow. And um, the New York Times that day reported like 1,400 people showed oh up. Wow. We were way past capacity. We had two rooms with pianos and like that's it. And we had to figure out how to get through all of these people. I always like to say, in my mind at least, that's when 16 bars or less acapella was wow. started. Wow. Because yeah. we had to just really get through everybody. And that the end of the day we get back to the office and now we have piles and piles of people and this is what happened and shift for, shifted for me we were already busy right and the guys said okay so Heidi why don't you just start auditioning everybody and sing through them and figure out who should go oh my god into wow. director so I actually became a casting associate and then 
like instantly a casting head director. casting director. Yeah. yeah. Well, casting director on it, and I was doing all the pre-screens, right? And then it turned into hunting, and I'm going around and hunting and hunting, wow. going to the nightclubs and finding people, and then I start doing open calls around the country. Wow. And yes, like pretty quickly, I became the head casting director of Rent, and um, and I found myself, you know, in this career that I hadn't. Probably planned on didn't have to sleep on a friend's couch anymore well you know what's ironic about all that is that casting especially then it just did not pay well right. really so oh yeah i was in debt all the time i was um always trying to make it happen and i had a lot of blessings you know like i had affordable housing right. wow. wow but um it was it was a uh it was a business at the start too. So Bernie was building the business. Right. Right. So, you know, you, when you start making money in casting is maybe you have a Broadway show, but it's when you get the tours, right? Because mm -hmm. right, then yeah. you have multiple companies right. and you're just casting. You have to keep casting. In general. Right. But you have lots of outlets and you get, you know, residuals on all of them or whatever your weekly maintenance fee is or something like that. And then commercials and voiceovers can bring income. But then you, now we have television, so now that provides a lot more income for people. But at that time, we didn't have much TV or film in New York City. Wow. So and it when, was a different era. when you were casting this tour and yeah. going all over the world, is there someone you remember that you were like, wow, like I might change this person's life? Because you have to think that show and putting people into that first national tour and even the people that replaced on Broadway also had quite astounding careers from this show which has been so many blessings for so many people a lot of my friends have been on the tour and all this stuff so was there someone that you remember in particular maybe that had like an exceptional audition that you just were like wow this is this might be someone so uh, as maggie mentioned earlier i have auditioned at least oh. over 40,000 people for yep. that yeah. show. So what you're saying is so, you remember everyone? I remember every single person. Great. <laughs> um, I cannot count the number of times that I would be in an audition room and be completely moved by somebody. Great. There's no way I could, I could count that. Um, you know, I can also think of how many times I was heartbroken that somebody couldn't get cast. That was actually one of the reasons I left casting because wow. I was heartbroken because I saw so much potential and so many possibilities for people, but I couldn't help everyone get hired. Oh. Right. So, you know, it's there are standouts. Of course there are standouts, you know. Um, I think the moments that probably stand out the most for me were particularly with open calls mm -hmm. where you see you know hundreds of people in a day and you get you can get numb really mm -hmm. quick mm -hmm. right but when somebody comes in the good thing about open calls were we always said bring your own song of choice mm -hmm. so it was never from the show don't sing from the show right so i loved that because you could find their authentic self mm -hmm. if they really went for it you know right. and sometimes people would come in and not have anything prepared. And they'd be like, my friend told me to show up. Wow. And so my go-to would always be, do you know Amazing Grace? Hmm. And so they would sing Amazing Grace. And sometimes I'd be in tears <laughs> because they would connect to their higher right. being, calling God, whatever you call it. And when they sing, they are lifted up, you know, yeah. and you just go, wow, <laughs> yeah. you know, so those kind of moments. And I can definitely remember people in those scenarios. Um, and then there's also, you know, 
um, I always think of Maya, um, Maya Wilson, and um, she's done a ton of Broadway mm-hmm. shows now, if you know her. Yeah. And yeah. she reminds me almost every time I see her about her rent experience. See? And her rent experience was an open call. I think it was Atlanta. And um, coming in and singing something, and if you know her at all, if she sings, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if she sings, you know, twelve feet away from you, you're blown away, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Yes. So um, loved her and was trying to figure out where she was going to fit. Clearly, seasons of love soloist, right. you know, Joanne possibility, and bringing her in through the auditions, you know, and bringing her back having her have to fly up, right. mm-hmm. you know, and she has to invest in it, yeah. yes, yes. you know, and just, she went for it, you know, and as you should, mm-hmm. I think. And I remember, she tells me, she says she remembers when she got the call because she called into her voicemail and I think she was on a payphone, maybe. Oh my God. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. And she said she just started crying, you know, oh. <laughs> and, and she'll say, you changed my life. And I'm like, I didn't change your life. We just met. Right. <laughs> you changed your life. <laughs> yeah. You changed it. Cause you showed up that right. day lady, you know, guys. And so just show up. You yeah. honestly never totally. know what can happen. Yeah. And That's actually really I'm glad to mention my ear because she is one of the most kind, generous people out right, there, yeah. actually. She's the she, type of person you want to keep working with. Yes, yes. And she helps others. And she is like a mother bear. Uh. And I see her now. She's done so many Broadway shows. And she has become kind of a, she's a maternal presence. You know, I love presence, that. You know? we'd, lo- we'd love to have her on the podcast. Yes. We'll, and have we'll her reach out. For you. Season eight? Yeah, we'll reach out, we'll reach out to her. Okay, we'll that's, that's so great. Thank you for sharing that. That's, then, that's really amazing. <laughs> Well, so then just, I, I know you probably have tons of stories, but did you yeah. have a chance to meet Jonathan Larson? I did not because uh, they were in rehearsals when I started in mm-hmm. December. and But I, of course, remember the day that he died. Right. And um, I remember us getting the call and... Um, you know, I I was there the the preview right after wow. he died. Right. So it's I mean, and it was a brain aneurysm. <laughs> so brain aneurysm. So there's no symptoms. No. Right. Well, there were symptoms. He had a headache. He had a, headaches, and yeah. right, he was having yeah. headaches, and, and he didn't today do anything. Maybe it would be caught. Right. right. Um, but uh, I, you know, I definitely, <laughs> I'll just say I feel very connected to him because his presence was so strong through every single moment of making rent and continuing rent. I mean, he was in every audition somehow, you know. I don't know if it's just because I'm also very susceptible and emotionally connected like that, but I think the fact is that every single person, Michael Greif, Tim Wilde, Mm -hmm. Bernie, the producers, every time we would have an audition together, you know, it was like we were connecting to Jonathan wow. you know and you see the show and you just connect to Jonathan and the performers they will talk about it, Jonathan to this day and I even watched a clip recently because we had kind of the reboot mm-hmm. of it recently with Fox Live and um, I remember <laughs> somebody saying in one of those I was watching some of the old clips I think it was Anthony maybe saying something like you know 
every performance for us is for Jonathan. Mm. And that is true. They held that space in right. every single performance. So if you saw the original company, you were seeing and hearing Jonathan on that stage. Yes. I was lucky enough to see the original cast do Rent. And yes, I didn't even know what I was witnessing. Yeah. I literally, I mean, I was young. Yeah. So, and my cousin, my cousin took me, he, he had seen it already and took me because he knew I love theater and took me to see Rent. And I was speechless. I was in complete shock and awe because A, I'd never seen I never seen rock and roll on a stage like that. It was so loud. When that when that show started, I was like, oh, it's so loud. But then you 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 accept it. Um, but it was just I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. I saw cats, I saw like some crap. Right. Um, and then I was taken to see rent and I was seeing stories of people I've never even knew existed wow, in a yeah. world that I Where never even knew. I was hearing about a disease that I never even heard about. Never, I never even, even heard really, about it, really. I heard never understood. Of it. Yes. I, I, I heard of it, but then to see this group of people and most of them are inflicted with this mm -hmm. and accepting their fates. I mean, it was just like, yeah. I mean, still like I think about that first experience and seeing yeah. it every time consecutively, just like how, it must how hard it must have been for even Jonathan to tell that story yeah. because these he watched I, I I've, I've read a bunch about Jonathan and he watched his friends die yep. a lot of his friends and to sit there and have to go through that and then try to bring light to it and bring joy to it and bring awareness to it through a musical which is like everything he's always wanted to do mm -hmm. finally seeing it realized but the story he's telling is not pretty. Mm -hmm. It's not but the rainbows and butterflies. But so beautiful and mm -hmm. it's so catchy. Right. And then there's that added layer of him, you know, writing a lyric, one song, glory, before I die. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. It breaks me every <laughs> and, time. Yeah. Is that, and we think, God, how did he, how did he know? Did he know right. that yeah. he was going to pass? Right. You know? Did he know? But, of course, what you just said is what he was writing about, what he was witnessing right. and experiencing. And because he wrote from his heart and his personal experience, you know, how can that not impact people? And I think so that's deeply. why it did. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's yeah. still one of the biggest shows in Broadway history. And, you know, his sister, Julie Larson, you know, that's a person worth mentioning yeah. as well because mm -hmm. she had to, with his parents, because um, I worked with all of them. His right. dad would show up. Al Larson would show up in the callbacks. Wow. Wow. You know, he would. So that's right. another reason why Jonathan was present because right. dad was there. there was you know? right. And and Julie to this day, you know, has really like carried the mantle and they've had, you know, they have a foundation. Mm -hmm. They've been really about supporting new voices. They created Tick, Tick, Boom. Right. Exactly. So, you know, that's a, a legacy and uh, it's it runs really deep. I love that. Life changing for everybody. So another connection to Rent. Rent was for those who don't know, I'm sure everyone knows Rent was based on Labo. Um, and do you think it's because of Rent and your work on Rent that led you to direct La Boheme on Broadway? Can you talk well, about that I a little bit? I direct it on Broadway. I'm sorry. Wouldn't that be Casting fun? it again, um, Wiki. Well, I'll tell you what it was. Um, but I did direct that production of La Boheme mm -hmm. in L.A. at the Amundsen. Got it. That's right. what it was. Um, so that's where I directed. Yeah, you got that. Um, but what happened is, yes, there was a direct correlation. Yes, um, because the producers of Rent also produced La Boheme. So they brought it to our office, to mm -hmm. Telsey's. 
And uh, it was a crazy, wild idea because now we have to find opera singers who are young and sexy and right. can act right. without the aria hand going on. Right. You know? yeah. And um, the aria hand. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, when you see the opera. Audition, yeah, that's why it's so it, funny because I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> the um, but it was kind of a, a wacky idea. And again, kind of breaking some boundaries by putting opera on Broadway. And, um, and you know, who else in the office is going to do a crazy project like that so uh bernie kind of put me on that one <laughs> and that was la boheme and that was directed by baz Luhrmann. Right, right and so um yeah i got to work with him directly because of that and do you that, like baz he, he's a pretty big part of your career yeah. from what i've read was he one of those mentors that you uh yes, you have it. discussed That's another right. connecting piece okay yeah you know he became maybe because i made him that you know i engaged with him in that way he became another artistic mentor um, he, uh, Moulin Rouge hadn't come out yet mm -hmm. when I first started on Bohem. Uh, so as I started on it, he started getting caught up in all of that. And it was wild to see him navigate through that and manage that. Right. And all of a sudden I'm working with this like superstar, right. mm -hmm. you know, director. But when I was with him, cause I was casting, I was in the audition room with him working very intimately with this talent um, he understood one of the things that I do, which is I would coach actors mm -hmm. to right. performance, mm -hmm. you know. And so he really relied on me, very much like Michael Greif and Tim Weil, the music director of Rent at the time. And, um, you know, they would s see somebody and then I would kind of take them away and I'd keep mm -hmm. honing it and bring right. it back, you know. So I would do that with Baz. And so Baz really understood what I could offer. And that was my directing mm -hmm. skill coming in that I loved doing and I loved coaching. Um, and so while I was casting for two years, for this, I would literally travel the world wow. with Baz, wow. and um, and Baz and his entourage, because right. there's you know a couple of people always so with Baz, <laughs> and uh, I'd prep people for him, hunt people down, um, and uh, it was a really trusting relationship, mm -hmm. which was really great. But because we would travel together too, I got I would have meals, of course, and so you just you spend a lot of time. So much time together. Yeah, and a lot of I always say this about casting directors and directors: if if you can find that connect, mm -hmm. the similar aesthetic people you like hanging out with, they're going to keep working together. Find right. your tribe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so if there's a director you like, find out who casts for them because they're going to keep casting for mm. them. Right? Interesting. Yeah. Strategy. Nice little life hack. Again, yes. Heidi Marshall with the tips. <laughs> there I you love are. that. That's amazing. <laughs> but um, Baz, you know, he was a big influence in a couple of ways. One, um, because he has a vision and he doesn't lower his vision. He it's like way up there. It's, you know, the <laughs> the planets are the right. ceiling, you know, mm -hmm. he doesn't and he, settle. he does not settle, you know, and everybody around him buys in right. mm -hmm. and because he's such a good salesman right. too with his ideas. And so he's such a, an incredible storyteller, mm -hmm. unbelievable storyteller. And so you get really hooked on it and then you want to fulfill that. Right, vision. Right. So everybody works really hard, but he also, he would really, he pursues what interests him. You know, it's like, I want to do an opera. I want to do a musical mashup on film, right. Moulin Rouge, you know, I'll do it my way. I'll right. break all oh, the he rules. Sure did. Such an incredible film. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, I'm inspired by a book, Great Gatsby. Right. I'll make 
into a movie, you know. I, I like hip hop culture in New York City. I'll mm -hmm. do the history of that, yep. you know. Or Elvis Presley, I think, is what he's doing now, you know. So he just kind of follows his interests, and that was a big influence for me to realize I'm kind of trapped in casting, and this is one interest, but I have a lot of other things that I want to do artistically. Right. And so that's what uh, inspired. I would say my decision to leave, you know, that I wanted more, I wanted liberation as an artist. Right. Um, and then when I left, there was a little, a kind person in my life, um, which was this little guy, his name, we call him DC, David Crooks. Okay. Um, Australian. And he worked, he was one of the right hands of Baz. And he would, um, he was like a matchmaker. You okay. Know? And he also loved opera. And he taught me about opera. He would take me to the opera around the world. Wow. He would travel sometimes just me and him. And he would just kind of help me understand casting in opera. And he was my ally through all of this and uh, became a really dear friend. And at some point when I had made my choice, I'm leaving casting, I kind of confessed it to him and uh probably in a teary state right. even, mm -hmm. you wow. know, and he took that little information and then disappears. And then the next thing I get a call saying, Baz would like you to come and be his resident director. Oh my God. Casting. And I hadn't planned that. And you know, it was not at all something that, again. right. That I even thought was possible, you know, and so that DC was the one that like made that connect and I went over and, you know, and then worked closely with Baz and mounted the show with him. I was alongside him through that mm -hmm. um, because he was so freaking smart. He knew that once the show was mounted on Broadway, he was going to be too busy. Right. right. So he knew, let me put somebody in place who can artistically keep it going right. and defend me. Yeah. Right. In my absence. Who knows me, yeah. yeah. Right. Who knows and, the vision. Yeah, and tell, you know, the producers we need this or, right. you yes. know, or me and DC because DC was also that, you know, um, as a because he was a producer on mm -hmm. the project. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really thrilling. And DC has also since passed. Mm. And, um, you know, it's funny. Those people, they come and go into your life, I guess. Yeah, like but they, they're learning. put there for a reason, though. They're there yes. for a reason. And, and and they live through you. Yes. Like, your legacy is yes. them. Yes. You know what I mean? That's the only way. And I, I think it's always important to find those people because, like you, here you are. You're a teacher now. You have your own studio. You are inflicting... Uh, inflicting. You are <laughs> it, it giving, is torture pa to Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> you are passing on this knowledge from, like, a wealth of information. We just yeah. sat with you for an hour listening to everything that led up to you creating... a space where you said you like to you know prep these people for bass well now you're prepping people for a whole bunch of directors for a whole bunch of shows for their career um and you're kind of giving them everything you know and kind of guiding them you're yes. becoming their mentor mm -hmm. and you're playing the same part these people played for you mm -hmm. do you I, think yeah I, I assume that inspired you to start your coaching career yeah. just because you had done so much of it kind of in these auditions and seeing that you were good at talking to actors because that's a skill in itself yeah how did that come to be because mm -hmm. how did you go from that world to now transitioning into a world of coaching and teaching and filmmaking yeah yeah right having hit filmmaking stuff we won't we won't have time no for we don't <laughs> part two that'll be that'll be Heidi Marshall part two that's ladies like and the gentlemen other life, you know? yeah <laughs> um you know I think uh 
gosh, I really was kind of coaching people, obviously, in the audition rooms all the time. Um, I'd bring people back again and again and again for auditions like 10, 15 times for rent before they go to the director. Mm -hmm. So I was all that skill was already in there. And then I would do little classes on the side. I would make them up for my friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I bought a camera one day and then I started making it an audition class. But I forced people to do it on camera. This was kind of even before we had all of the wealth of opportunities on camera Mm -hmm. now. Um, But I just did it because I like film and I like filmmaking. And I think the camera reveals everything. Yeah, people could see what they're doing. Yeah, it's truth, you know. And that's what Rent was. It was about being truthful in your performance. That's what Baz loves, truth, Mm -hmm. you know. So there was kind of a through line that Mm -hmm. naturally connected. And, um, And then I would just kind of do individual coachings here and there and... I started my classes in between all of my other freelance work because uh, it was something that I could offer and I enjoyed designing classes, you know, Um, and I really didn't plan to create a studio. Actually, that just kind of it literally happened because I had to move out of a space that I was renting here and there Mm -hmm. for classes and I lost the space access to it. They closed down. And so I had to get my own space. And Hmm. I thought, oh. I guess I should just call it a studio. I right. really struggled with that. I didn't want to be Heidi Marshall's studio. Right. I thought it was too vain and, right. you know, and um, and then I realized that's what everybody called it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So I didn't plan it, but I love it. And I love this huge community of actors, like really um, being able to nurture a lot of people, as you say, and pull the potential out of people and just frankly, just give people confidence right. you know, in themselves. Um, it also says a lot about you because you give them a, a safe space. And I think that's for an actor to, to have a place where they can be vulnerable and not be self-conscious about it. I think you giving them that outlet is is pivotal. And I think it. I'm sure you've changed a well, lot of people's you, techniques. You really took it out of my, my that's mouth. Why, that's why we are who say. we are, Miss <laughs> Stickers. One of the wonderful things about your class is how safe you feel in it. And, and anytime anyone asks me, like, oh, what TV film classes should I take? I haven't done any TV film, especially. I'm like, oh, well, you should definitely take part one. And then they'll see your resume and they're like, oh, my gosh, she's done so much, though. I'm like, trust me. She's, like, the most comforting, non-judgmental, welcoming teaches you right from the beginning doesn't make you feel silly for not knowing whatever it is that you don't know you know it's just like such a great space to learn Mm. and to grow as an actor Mm. so thank you for that good Hmm. well thank you i can't wait to experience (laughs) it for myself i'm seriously like oh i will i wish we had more time um but we're we definitely we we should probably move on to winging it i I guess guess. we should i mean there's so much more on here there's so much more we're gonna have to bring you on for part two um Yeah, you know, that's just the other side of my life. And and actually, that's probably what keeps me creating a a safe space in the in the coaching rooms, because I'm also an artist at risk myself. I love that. You know, I'm also like creating my own projects and pushing for my own separated dreams of directing and you know, going through the hurdles that that is, as you know, Maggie and Spiro, you know, as an artist, you know. So if I don't do that and pursue that part of my life, which is a whole other side of me, then I can't teach, honestly. Interesting. You know, I have to keep all that stuff in play and and have the belief that someday I will be making my feature film. I will be making my blah, blah, blah. Well, you're on the right track because the film you made, do you want to just mention some of the facts about the film she did make just to 
throw muscle, it in there. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. You know, just a little thing that you did called muscle. <laughs> yeah. What what kind of uh, accolades does that little film have? Yeah, I mean, it won a bunch of festivals, and you were in a bunch of festivals. Yeah, we did a lot of festivals, like twenty festivals or 30. something. Thirty. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. great. Really yeah. awesome. We just wanted. To, whoops. We really just wanted to get it out there. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And mm. I remember you fundraise. You did all the fundraising for it because I remember mm-hmm. when I was first taking your class, you just had started, kind of post-production for it I yeah, think yeah um so you were in that that phase of, of doing all that and then I watched it you released it online when it was like clip of the week or short of the week short or of the something week, yes. yeah mm-hmm. so and where can you watch it now you can still watch it on shortoftheweek.com okay and nice. put in muscle I'm mm-hmm. sure or it might even be shortoftheweek.com slash muscle right cool. um but yeah that was a invigorating moment because I got to really commit to I decide to commit to my vision right. nice you know and the style of it is not a typical style in some ways um, and uh, I took my time and my shots and things like you that. You can tell the shots are really beautiful. Yeah, they really are. And you can see that they're like portraits, you know? Yes, and it gives room for the actor to breathe in it yes. Yes. and live yes. in it and find their moments in it. Which yes. is like if I were one of your actors, I would say just thank you because exactly. sometimes we think we need to add more, but yes. sometimes less is more. Oh, yeah. That's Sometimes beautiful. just being is is overwhelming. It, yes, people are overwhelmed by being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's wow. wild. One of the hardest things. That's a mind. So, anyway. so if you like to listen to RFB when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android. Available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Hey Maggie, guess what? What? Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you, Maggie. Every dollar helps us stay on the air. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. That's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, unfortunately, we, we are going to move on to our fun segment. We like to, at the end, we like to just end off like on a light, fun note, and we do a little section called Winging, winging it. it. Winging it. They're just winging it. Winging it. They're just winging it. Um, so, for your winging it, uh, we decided to play a game completely made up, and it, we called it Renthead. So, pretty <laughs> oh much, God. it's I know. A, this will follow me around that, for the rest I of my yep, life. It sure will. It. Um, so, the idea is uh, you, we're going to really test your memory on the characters, the real people, and some of the lyrics from Rent. Oh, um, I have a terrible memory, know. by the way. Perfect. That's That'll everything. make this. Let That'll make this even you, more fun. Everything is instinctual, Perfect. so I can't even quote lines. Great, you know? okay, great. Go for it. That'll make it even more fun. I prefer it if you don't, actually. No, um, it'll make it super fun. So pretty much uh, the first kind of, it's a mixture of all different True and things. True false trivia's lyrics. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, so Maggie's going to start uh, okay, well. with the first. Oh, wait, first, let me just tell you your prize. If or when you win, um, we're going to give you a, a nice Nico Frank beanie that you can take with you. To I will go. wear it. Which you Great. would get anyway. I can't Which wait. you would get anyway. But <laughs> if, we make, if we make it sound like a prize, it sounds much cooler. Um, Something all right. to work for. All right, here um, we go. Here we go. The mu- cue the music. Great. 
This actress had a boyfriend at the time who was a New York agent, and he faxed over her resume and headshot to Bernie, and that's the reason why she was called in. Oh, God. Do you remember who? I don't know that. It's Adina. I was going to guess Adina, and then I thought, no. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, see, we're teaching Great. you. I love mm, it. See, educate I knew there the were kids. some gems of the casting stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So this is actually a really funny one because you – bring this up so uh this actor saying great balls of fire and amazing grace in his initial audition for rent it could be anybody give us throw some uh, people who could it be great balls of fire so it's the original cast is what you're yes yeah. uh-huh um how about jesse Nope, but close, <laughs> very close in proximity. I'll say it that way. Oh, so it's Wilson. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> See, you like that hint? That was a pretty good I hint, think actually. That's so interesting to think about what they sang, though. Yeah, yeah. that is you cool. Know, like back they then, they knew what the soundtrack was. Absolutely, you know? it's just yep. so cool. Because now there's a whole arsenal. Like sing pop rock is like something you see all the time, but back then it was like, what do you know? And what, I bet Wilson sing a rock gave song. it some flair, you know? Oh yeah, great balls of fire. Yeah. Who right. picks great balls of fire to sing? Right, that's fun. And then books, Angel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. You do the next one because I'm not good at this. All right. So finish this lyric. To apathy, to entropy, to empathy, <laughs> ecstasy. Do, <laughs> do you know? Um, I know it. As soon as you say it, I'll know it like the back of my hand. Go. It's Backlap Hobble. Yeah. The Sex Pistols. <laughs> A, B, C. <laughs> do you know Shane? Ever? Okay, I can go on. I can go on. Um, Excellent. Do you know cool. the hand gestures too? Uh, I, uh, I feel like, uh, uh, like uh, I, I knew, ooh, I knew them at good. one point, but yeah, totally. over and all that stuff. Anyway, all right, Maggie. This one I thought was interesting. The original cast was paid paid blank a week for the New York Theater Workshop production. <laughs> well, it almost sounds like they were paid blank. Yeah, they were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it they looks were basically like it. zero. I mean, if it's it was still an equity contract, right? So it would have been a few hundred dollars. 305. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. What an investment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so these two cast members actually went to the same high school. Do you know who they were, original cast members? Oh, same high school. No. It's okay. It's okay. Cool. Idina Menzel and Adam Pascal. Did you know that? They did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. According did to our research. Know. Did they know each other then? Yeah. Pop. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Wild. Okay. This actor saying one of his solos sitting down and be- supposedly begged the director to keep him there because he could never remember the lyrics and had to write them down on the table in front of him. <laughs> Do you know this one? Have you heard this story? I mean, I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking of who, it would probably be Adam. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. he's sitting most of the show. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and as we said earlier, Adam had not acted before. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's all new. Even having to move around is kind of new. Move yeah. and act. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. So uh, one song remained the same from the very first incarnation of the show. All the other songs developed and changed, but supposedly Glory? this song was always the same. Um. Glory? It, no, not know. glory. Light my candle. Light my candle. Really? That's yeah. what that's Light that's what candle. our research says. So I wonder if that came to him early and kind of inspired. Yeah, maybe. Supposedly, nice. like that was the Michelle. one song, and then the people who saw it were like, "We love that one well, song." It's a beautiful yeah, song. yeah, it, it really yeah. is pretty. It is such a good song. Mm. <laughs> okay, here you go again. <laughs> this one's another finish the lyric. I, uh, this one I didn't even know. So good luck. Um, it's <laughs> fire, fire, burn, burn. Yes, no, latex, rubber. I know it rubber. so well. It's the dance on the wall. Yeah. Do you know it? Do you know it? Go. What I, I, no, I don't know the okay. words. Uh, latex, rubber. Uh, no. Fire, latex, rubber, latex, bummer. Lover, bummer. Lover, Lover bummer. bummer. I don't yeah, think I so even strange. heard that ever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember the latex. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the dance on the wall <laughs> sequence. Sex, sweet. God. Yes, so, so. Okay, this is our last, number 10. One of Jonathan Larson's girlfriends actually dumped him for a girl the way Maureen dumped Mark for Joanne. True, True or, or false? True. Oh. Yeah. 
Nice. You knew that one. Nice. Um, okay, so let's shout you out. Where can people find you? Give people information. Are you taking new students? Yeah, what's the deal? I am. You just got to half on that priority list. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. HeidiMarshall.com, you know, and uh, coachings are on there too, so I can always do I really like stuff. your website because it has your filmmaker side, it has yes. your coach side. It has it's a new site. Yeah, oh, it is? Okay, it's relaunched. Cool. Oh, what is the, give us a URL. Is it HeidiMiamiMarshall.com? No, no, it's HeidiMarshall.com, <laughs> yeah, and there are two sides, as I encourage actors to have more than one side. Look right. at yeah, us. You can Look at us. go down the director side or the studio side. Yeah, and, and you can also... I'm very proud of this. I was just going to mention On the new it. site. It's a database, right? The alumni database. Love that. It took me months, months wow. to build with my it. website people. But That's it's amazing. all about really supporting and promoting the alumni who have it. come through. So Maggie, get on there. I'm on it. will be there soon. So okay, you are on. Oh, that's yes. right. You are. I've seen I, you on there. So real quickly, um, if, if let's say someone uh, asking for a friend um, wants to get in your class, they go onto your website. Um, they submit to the waiting list, correct? Yeah, and join the priority list, great. and then you'll get the first announcement. Great. Cool. Yeah, exactly. And then once you see the announcement, you just you say, yes, it. I want to do it. Yeah, you well, got it's it. Well, cool, because she has lots of different classes you can take, but then she also has guest artists that come in and cool. teach. Who are amazing. That's mm -hmm. my new thing. Is and your husband expand. has taught as well, right? Yeah, yeah, Johnny and I, because he's an actor, writer, producer, Filmmaker. we teach a, a workshop called Actors as Creators, mm -hmm. because obviously I'm all about empowering artists. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so are we. We do that together as well. Yeah. Well, I am so thankful that we got to spend an hour and 15 minutes with you. You are absolutely sorry, amazing. No, don't. don't I, sorry, I was more about you and your schedule. I'm like, I know she's got to go. I love the longer episodes, so I'm all about it. So oh, thank, thank you okay. so much for I'm this fine. for this yeah, moment. Good. I'm great with it. Um, it was so great. to. I've never met you before, so this was so great. I feel like we had a nice connection. And just one thing I want to say, y'all can't like couldn't see Heidi talking to us, but the way you fully invest even to the things you say for us, I can tell you have an emotional connection to your life, to the things you've done, to your projects that you, that mean so much to you. I can see it in your eyes and hear it in your voice. Y'all can hear it too, I'm sure. So it was such a pleasure to experience that and feel that energy in this room. So thank you for sharing that with me and with us at the Cool Kids table here at Radio Free Brooklyn. We're thankful and uh, stay cool, stay kind. Thank you. Y'all, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at radiofreebrooklyn.org newsletter.